0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Kansas City. Welcome to a brand new edition of Tapped In, brought to you from the true KCPN studios here at uh, Gats House. Actually, we are not at Taps on Main today, not partaking in the greatest wings in the city. We are at Gats House bringing this all new fresh Wednesday edition of of tapped into you welcome aboard thank you for tuning in i missed y'all on monday that was a rough go of things the back room on taps is still undergoing renovations right now there is still all sorts of chaos going there right now and i was privy to it yesterday i was a part of it i was right in the thick of it and we're just uh just just not in the cards just not in the cards to be recording there right now but we are happy to bring you this audio version you're not getting to see my pretty face so frankly i'm doing a favor for all of you Uh, by just doing an audio-only recording edition of Tapped In. But uh, once again, thank you for tuning in today. What do we have tapped in for this Wednesday, May 12th? Well, folks, we're going to talk some Royals. I know I promised, uh, or I I said that I have a bone to pick with baseball, and this bone is still there to be picked. There is uh, still much that I would like to discuss about my issues, my bone to pick that I have with baseball, Major League Baseball in particular, and just some some of the oddities about the game. But I will get to that on Friday uh, because what I forgot when I made this little announcement on Monday that we would not be having a fresh edition of Tapped In was that there's the schedule, NFL schedule released today. And so I've got a few things to get into on that. And so I'm, uh, I am do regret to inform you that, yeah, not not the bone-to-pick segment is not going to be taking part this week. I'm sorry, today, but it will be coming at you on Friday. So definitely stay tuned for that coming up on Friday. But we're going to go ahead and kick it off with a little bit of Royals talk before I get into the NFL schedule release. And because that's something, what did I say during my my little video on Monday? I said, what are the Royals in the middle of a, a seven, eight game losing streak? It was the eight game losing streak. And that has now extended to a nine game losing streak and it's just yeesh, not not fun, not fun for the boys in blue, it's not fun for the royal faithful watching from home or listening on the radio, it's just, it is an absolute terrible rough go, what is it, Harold uh, and the, the no good, awful, terrible, no good day, whatever that, that book was, and turned into a movie, that's about what the royals are living right now, and so we're gonna we're going to talk a little bit about it. Friday, I brought you the, uh, <clears throat> last, the the Mother's Day edition of Tapped In last Friday. And I said, all right, you know, the Royals, maybe we can try to right the ship tonight with uh, Brad Keller going against Carlos Rodon. Well, unfortunately, my the fears my fears came to fruition. And Carlos Rodon continued his dominant start to this season with his, he was 4-0, he's now 5-0. With a sub two ERA, I think around like a, I think it's a sub one ERA actually. Carlos Rodon is just doing some ridiculous things for the White Sox right now, and they are very much looking like a very strong team, the AL Central division winner uh, that they were projected to be. They are looking every bit of the part, and so the Royals got shut down by Rodon and the White Sox three to nothing on Friday night, and then on Saturday, KCPN took a little field trip to go out to the K. Kingston, our own Kingston Robinson got to go see the K. He got to see the Truman Sports Complex for the first time. we were very happy to introduce him to that, and I got to partake in him witnessing the majesty of Arrowhead Stadium for the first time, at least from the outside. We can't wait to get him in there this fall, and then I can really get to uh, enjoy introducing uh, somebody to what is the monumental, just amazing place that is Arrowhead Stadium. But anyway, got to see the K for the first time. We had a good time. Uh, it was, you know, a little tailgating and then got in there and into the stadium. And, you know, it was a nice day out, nice evening for some baseball. And let's see if the Royals can maybe end this streak. And then, uh, you know, Royals prospect Daniel Lynch making his second start of the season. A lot of excitement. And then it all came screeching to a wicked halt in the first inning when the Royals gave up eight, I repeat, eight runs in the first inning. It just didn't stop. Poor Daniel Lynch got absolutely blitzed by the White Sox. He only—he didn't even make it out of the inning. He went two-thirds, recorded two outs, and he gave up seven hits. He walked one, and he uh, allowed all, all eight of those base runners to score. Eight earned runs in two-thirds of an inning. Not... A pretty start for young Daniel Lynch to start, uh, what is now his second start, I should say, of his young Royal career. Still a lot of upside, still a lot of promise with this young man. Definitely have uh, very feel encouraged. Feel I feel very enthusiastic about his future. But yeah, it was not pretty there on uh, Saturday night, and so we pretty much the game was about over before it even got started, or before it really even got started, before the Royals even went up to bat for the first time. And the Royals coming into that game were already in the midst of a ridiculous scoring streak, or scoreless, excuse me, scoreless streak that was into the 20s after they had been shut out the two previous games. And that continued on into the seventh inning of the uh, the game on Saturday night before the Royals finally Finally, we're able to end the scoreless scoreless inning streak at twenty eight innings. Yes. Just over three total games without a single run. Twenty eight innings. Royals finally ended it on Saturday night in the seventh inning when Gerard Dyson. Oh, yes, folks. Gerard Dyson led off with a triple. That is what speed do indeed for Mr. Dyson got a uh got a ball in the gap and we got to see a little bit of nostalgia for uh for out of the k and dyson made it all the way around a third and then wit drove him in drove him home and that was the only run of the ball game for the royals <laughs> but at least it ended the scoreless streak at uh 28 innings and then the white Sox went ahead and or i'm sorry the yeah the white Sox went ahead and put on one more in the ninth on wade davis to make it nine to one and just Yuck, that's all of a sudden extended the losing streak to to the seven games, and uh, that nine to one loss. There was one silver lining that came out of it, and that was the pitcher that uh came in to start at the start the second inning. Uh, Chris Bubich went five and two thirds, only gave up four base runners, one hit, and three walks, and didn't allow any of them to score. And so, Bubich is along with Daniel Lynch part of that vaunted 2018. Draft class that the Royals went and got five college pitchers in addition to the the two of them, along with Brady Singer, Jackson Coar, and Jonathan Bolin. And Bubich was the one that he debuted along with Singer last year, and we waited to see Coar and and uh, Lynch this year, which we still have not seen Coar yet. That is, I anticipate that probably happening probably before the end of the month, honestly. Uh, But Bubich came in and. Yes, it was technically in relief, but if you get a start out of him where you get five and two-thirds, only three base runners allowed, no runs, that would be fantastic. And I take this as a very good sign. He, in a a situation in which Daniel Lynch potentially left the bullpen, hung out to dry, and really get overworked and really get taxed, Bubic came in and kind of saved the day. And you would have hoped that that would have maybe given the Royals an opportunity to do something on Sunday with the rested bullpen but unfortunately that was not the case either as the royals then continued their stretch of futility and their home their their home stand that seven game home stand and they finished it off with a loss as well to extend the losing streak to eight games and that was uh, a 9 to 3 loss on Sunday just it's just just rough and mike miner fortunately we saw his struggles continue he was the big pitching signing that the Royals made in the offseason. Went out and uh, threw some money at him, you know, for a guy who had been in our bullpen just two years or just three years ago. And after he had, a, you know, a couple good seasons with the Rangers, and we thought maybe this can be the veteran in our uh, rotation. And he just, after Sunday's game, he's two and two with a 5.75 ERA. He just hasn't been nearly what. He was expected to be. He has not been – the Royals were sold a bill of goods that has not been up to par to this point. He went five innings on Sunday, only four hits, only two walks, but five earned runs. What we're seeing right now is the Royals pitching is in a very ridiculous stretch in which pretty much all base runners are scoring. The majority of base runners are scoring. You see the Royals so often leave a lot of men on base when they're on offense – unable to get those runners across uh, across the plate to end up putting runs on the board. Right now our opponents are having no trouble whatsoever getting all runners across across the plate and uh, just absolutely waxing the Royals. And so and it was it was early struggles for Miner on Sunday as well. I mean, he gave up 3 runs in the second and 2 runs in the third. Just it, just the White Sox jumped all over. And so it was just a just a big struggle there. So that finished off that seven-game homestand with the Royals losing all seven of them, coming into Monday on an eight-game losing streak, having slipped from, at the beginning of this, at the entering May at a 15-8 and eight record, best in baseball. And as Jeff Passon tweeted, uh, let's see, I think he tweeted on April 30th, said, folks, it's almost May, and the Royals have the best record in baseball. Well, 10 days later, he tweeted once again, saying, folks, it's almost May 11th, and the Royals have the 20th best record in baseball. May has hit, the month of May has hit the Royals like a sledgehammer, and it's, uh, Triple H will be proud of that sledgehammer, because it's uh, it's done some work on the Royals. I saw quite the hilarious gif, I think I mentioned this on the tailgate, actually, of, uh, it's a gif from WrestleMania a couple years ago, of AJ Styles having thought that he just took out the Undertaker and knocked him into an open, shallow grave, and, all of a sudden, Undertaker is standing behind him, looking on menacingly at AJ Styles, who is cackling. No idea that Undertaker is behind him, about to, about to whoop his ass. That's pretty. I saw I saw a meme that uh, had uh, the Royals as AJ Styles and the month of May as the Undertaker, and it's a it's very apt. That is very accurate at this point, and it's uh, fortunately they had a day off on Monday when I when I brought the short little video to you and. Didn't have to worry about any more royal struggles then. At least the Royals didn't lose on Monday, but then they got back at it on Tuesday. We started a three-game series with the Tigers up in Detroit. The horrendous roads or the horrendous home stand had ended, and so they were up in Detroit for a series against a team that is much worse than them. And so we were going into Detroit at sixteen and seventeen. Had you told people a week and a half into May that the Royals would be a game below five hundred? They'd say, "Okay, hey, you know what? That's uh, that's about what we expected. We just didn't know that it'd be that the, the results of a ridiculous losing streak." And so, the Royals going to Detroit and just get absolutely pasted once again yesterday. It's uh, seven nothing early, and Brady Singer unfortunately had some struggles after he Singer had been pretty solid for a while for his last three starts before that. And, unfortunately, Singer's his little stretch of success came to an end. Singer was not able to get out of the fourth inning. He only went three and a third, seven hits, two walks, only four strikeouts and four earned runs. It just The Royals were not able to get anything going. Greg Holland gave up a couple more runs as well. And so going into the eighth inning, the Royals found themselves down by a touchdown, down seven to nothing. And even with two outs left in the eighth inning, they were still down seven to nothing. And I'll admit, yours truly tuned out. I was listening to the game, and I was like, "All right, I might go home and watch this." And I was like it's it's the eighth inning and seven nothing. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch this. So, uh, but then the Royals did something. The Royals made a little bit of that old school magic happen, and you've got um, <clears throat> you got Jorge Soler. All of a sudden, a couple runners got walked there in the uh, bottom of the eighth inning with with two outs, and then Jorge Soler comes up and blasts a three-run home run. All of a sudden, it's 7-3 the, after the end of the eighth. Nothing, ex, nothing exactly exciting about, but we've all seen what the Royals can do when they're down by four runs before, going into late in the game. There's just something about, especially when you consider back to you know maybe 2014, a certain wild-card game, that 7-3 deficit. Crazy things can happen. We've seen it. Lo and behold, in the ninth inning, when the Royals come up, still down 7-3, Ryan O'Hearn is able to get an RBI single. So you got Ryan O'Hearn on base. Then it makes the it makes the score 7-4. Two batters later, two batters get walked. Jorge Soler hits a three-run double to tie the game. The Royals came roaring back after being down with four outs left in the game. Down 7-0. The Royals, over the course of... Those four outs came back to tie the game seven to seven. Jorge Soler, between two at-bats in the eighth inning and ninth inning, had six RBIs. Soler doing the things that we expect him to do. He has been swooning very badly this year, as has Hunter Dozier, but Soler is still hitting the ball hard and a home and a three-run home run and a three-run double. Maybe, just maybe Jorge Soler is starting to write that ship. Because, man, oh, man, do the Royals ever need him to get right. But, unfortunately, then it just wasn't meant to be, folks. Because then we get to the bottom of the ninth up there in Detroit. And a base runner gets on. And then the Tigers' Robbie Grossman hits an RBI single. Game over. Scott Barlow takes the loss. Barlow's been rock solid this year. He of the, the mid-two ERA a very good reliever the bullpen he's been one of the strengths of the bullpen this year a staple of it and unfortunately it just wasn't meant to be after a miraculous comeback and a near meltdown by the tigers it just it's it's just rough sledding i said it i've said it a few times before it's just it's an absolute rough go for the royals and what could have been an absolute season changing win even finally the royals turning their fortunes it's just not meant to be and that's uh, that's a big bummer. That's definitely kind of a kick in the gut, and you just got to hope that the Royals have the intestinal fortitude to be able to move forward and take this one, move past it, and hopefully still be able to take the series from Detroit because Detroit is the kind of team that's it's a that's that's a potential get-right series. That is something where you're struggling, you need something to help help fix things. You face a team that is much worse than you. One of the worst. The Tigers came into this series the worst record in baseball. That need, this needs to be a get-right series, and they almost got it last night, but they've got two more opportunities to try and try and fix some things and see if maybe 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 Solaire was just kicking off something. Maybe there's some positives to take away from last night, but uh, it's still a gut punch. And all of a sudden now we look at the Royals at 16 and 18. Man, what the hell happened over the course of eleven days? Just sucks. It sucks, folks. There's really uh, no way to no way to spin this that's positive. It's it's been a rough thing. The Royals have now lost nine straight. And yeah, great teams. Great teams uh, suffer losing streaks. The great, uh, the late great, may he rest in peace, Tommy Lasorda, was once quoted as saying, "Well, even the twenty-seven Yankees lost ten in a row," and. Which, hey, Yankees, the the, the Bronx Bombers, argue, the murderers row, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, arguably the greatest lineup in the history of Major League Baseball, that 27 Yankees, and they lost 10 in a row. Of course, Lasorda was later on asked, is like, did the, did the 27 Yankees actually lose 10 in a row? And Lasorda says, I don't know. I was born in 27. So. You know, sometimes you can just kind of make stuff up like that to try, try to make your team feel better. But the Royals could really use a sort of speech along those lines right now, to hopefully avoid the double-digit losing streak tonight. Six ten, Danny Duffy. If there's any pitcher on this roster that can be that stopper. I mentioned last week he is a legitimate American League Cy Young contender at this point in time. If anybody can fix, the, get the, sh- the the ship righted. It will be Danny Duffy, and he's going against uh, top Tigers prospect Casey Mize, who has been decent this year, but he's already been rocked once by the Royals. Let's see if he can do it again, folks. Let's see if Duffy can avoid that uh, that double-digit losing streak. And the guy says, bury me a Royal. Do something Royal tonight, buddy. Do something Royal tonight, Mr. Duffy. So, once again, 6'10", Tigers and Royals. Go Royals. Let's just Let's try to stay positive, Kansas City. Let's try to stay positive. So, we're going to flip gears to something that is a, little, is a lot more fun. And, of course, I've been all over this draft coverage and so many other things with the NFL lately. But uh, it, you know what? The NFL just has to steal the headlines all the time. Those jerks, Roger Goodell and his circus. And the thing is, is we're all suckers for it. <laughs> Yours truly included in that. Today is the NFL schedule release. And at 7 o'clock this evening, the entire schedule will be released. But they gave us a little teaser, just a little taste to try to tide us over for the rest of the day. And uh, they released week one already. And, folks, it's uh, there's some heavy matchups. This this could be a lot of fun to kick off the NFL season. The season itself is being kicked off, as is has been tradition the last few years, with the Thursday night football matchup on September 9th. With the defending Super Bowl champion, champion Buccaneers, Buccaneers hosting the Dallas Cowboys to open the season. Very interesting matchup. Dallas, after a really rough year last year, who knows what's going to happen? You're going to have Dak Prescott back. They're going to be healthy, and you know they they had uh, whether whatever you think of Micah Parsons the Cowboys had a pretty strong draft and pairing Parsons with uh, Jabril Cox could be a really smart move for the Cowboys. There are two linebackers that, qual- that uh, complement each other very well, but CD lamb in year two, see if Ezekiel Elliott can write the ship, see if the offensive line can be sturdier than it was last year. Can Tyron Smith be healthy? A lot of question marks for Dallas and Tampa Bay is getting all kinds of love that we are very familiar with here in Kansas city is they brought everybody back. They're trying to do their own, run it back. And they're, the NFL is giving it, giving it to them, man. They are absolutely, the media, ESPN, everybody is very, very much, very high on the Buccaneers in their attempt to repeat. Of course, we all saw how that can actually happen in Kansas City. We got very close. We should have been 15 and 1, and we will return to the Super Bowl, but we just saw the reality of the game. You know, injuries happen, and when they happen at key positions, you're just not able, you can't bring it 100%. You know, they, Yes, they say the next man up. Well, sometimes the next man up is not, not nearly as good as the first, the guy who was first in line. So that was obviously the case in the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay can probably feel pretty good about their chances at least early in the season. It's uh, now 16 times the defending champ has played in the opener since 2004, and the defending champ in those 16 times are 13-3, and three, including the Chiefs last year beating the Texans on uh, Thursday night football and so that's you know NFL can be as high as they want on Tampa Bay we'll see what happens you still have a 43 year old quarterback so I'll believe it when I see it once we get into January and February but anyway the uh, season kicks off Dallas at Tampa Bay the Monday night matchup Baltimore at Las Vegas Lamar Jackson gets an opportunity to kick off his uh his next season after what was clearly The the reigning MVP last year, he had a down season last year. There's no doubt about it, but the Ravens looked like one of the best teams in football at certain points. They had their issues with COVID. They just, a lot, a lot of problems. And then we saw Lamar Jackson ultimately have another unglorious exit from the playoffs. He did finally get his first playoff win. He was able to get that uh, off of his shoulders, but just, it still came up short. And, that's gonna be a question mark for Ravens fans. It's gonna be a question mark in Baltimore for John Harbaugh to answer. So we will see with that. But what will be intriguing with this is it is in Las Vegas. It will be the first regular season game with fans at Allegiance Stadium in Las Vegas. So the Raiders, Raiders Faithful, the black hole gets to return. I don't think it's gonna be anywhere near the black hole that we saw in Oakland, but the black hole, the Raider Faithful get to return and watch the Raiders for the first time in the The Death Star, as Mark Davis likes to call it, where what did he say when they first when he first uh, blessed the stadium that it's going to be a place where opponents' dreams come to die. Yeah, not with Patrick Mahomes in the division, pal. But anyway, first first game with fans in Las Vegas, so that'll be a lot of fun. That is your Monday night game. Your your uh, excuse me. Your yes, that is your Monday. Yeah, that's the Monday night game. The Sunday night game, Chicago. At Los Angeles to play the Rams. That's, uh, you chose that to be your Sunday night football matchup to open the season? Chicago, the, the Bears, Rams? I know they were both playoff teams last year, but uh, there's kind of a watered-down NFC playoff field. You really want to have that as, okay, okay. I know the Rams, you know, they just brought Matthew Stafford in. There's some, uh, some shine, some sparkle to that. Maybe that'll be a lot of fun. You just got Justin Fields in Chicago. Definitely a lot of fun there. Of course, is Fields actually going to start week one? Will Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy decide to pull the trigger and go with Justin Fields as their week one starter, or will they go with Andy Dalton, free agent acquisition, Andy Dalton, who was so excited? They promised him the starting job. We'll see if Fields can beat him out and earn the job. I mean, you don't trade up. You don't trade a first-round pick next year to trade all the way up to go get Justin Fields for nothing. And this is a kid who seems very motivated to turn the quarterback, the uh, quarterback fortunes around in Chicago for that franchise. Chicago Bears are the only franchise in the NFL that has yet to have a four-thousand-yard passer. The entire history of the Chicago Bears only franchise, without a 4,000-yard passer. It wasn't Mitchell Trubisky. You go back, it wasn't Cade McNown. There's, it wasn't Rex Grossman. Spent been a number of first-round picks that the Bears have spent at the quarterback position that have ultimately not panned out. Will Justin Fields be different? They kick off their season once again on Sunday Night Football at Los Angeles against a familiar face in Matthew Stafford. So we will see with this little reboot the Rams are doing with Matthew Stafford instead of Jared Goff. And it's, uh, it, I question that as the Sunday night football matchup, but am I going to watch it? You bet your ass I'm going to watch it. Uh, a few other intriguing matchups to kick off the season. You've got the Jets at Carolina. Sam Darnold's first game as a Carolina Panther, and he gets to face his replacement, Zach Wilson. I'm just going to pretty much make the, uh, an assumption that Zach Wilson will start. I don't see the Jets having traded away Darnold and brought in, go and get the second overall pick on Zach Wilson just to go and sit him that early in the season. So very, very quickly, you're going to get to see the matchup of the predecessor against the successor. And the question that a lot of people will answer, you know, did the Jets give up too early on Sam Darnold? And does that benefit the Panthers? Will he be the quarterback of the future future for the Panthers? That'll be a very intriguing question week 1 matchup. Another very intriguing week 1 matchup. The Packers at the Saints. Who the hell is going to be a quarterback for either team? I mean, we know Drew Brees is not going to be in New Orleans and it's anybody's guess who's going to be in in uniform for Green Bay running out there. It seems very unlikely it's going to be number 12, but he's not anywhere else yet. He hasn't uh he hasn't been traded. He hasn't been released. Nothing else. He is still a Packer at this point in time. There's still quite a bit of time to go until we get to September 12th to see who actually runs out there and is is under center for the Packers in week one. But definitely two teams that were probably the two staples of the NFC for the last decade plus, last 15 years really. Aaron Rodgers for Green Bay, Drew Brees in New Orleans. Those two teams are going to face off week one. And it's very possible that we don't see either of those quarterbacks in that matchup. And that's – times are changing, folks. Times are changing. Uh, A couple other what what could be some fun matchups. Pittsburgh opens the season at Buffalo. Buffalo has made some moves this offseason to try and reach up and catch the Chiefs in the hierarchy of the AFC. Pittsburgh, obviously, after a very strong start last season, got exposed badly for their weaknesses, particularly on the offensive line. And Ben Roethlisberger pretty much just being well past his prime. And the Steelers had a bad, bad slip over the course of the last month and a half of the season in into the playoffs. But they opened the season with uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Could be an interesting matchup. The Steelers tend to play better early in the season. Obviously, we saw that last year, even if it was all smoke and mirrors like I clamored over and over again on the tailgate podcast. Uh, but that's an interesting one. Another interesting one, Seattle at Indianapolis. To start the season, Russell Wilson against Carson Wentz. That's weird to say. That's going to be Carson Wentz with the Colts, but here we are. Like I said a, a moment ago, times are a-changing, but those are Seattle. A lot of question marks, too, with Russell Wilson. I just talked a little bit about you know the questions with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Could we be looking at a scenario where all this, this conversation around Rodgers and Green Bay, will this – will the same conversation be surrounding Russell Wilson in Seattle in a year from now, as the, he, he came out and said it, he wanted his offensive line to be improved and whether you know, a lot of people have criticized him for that. It says, well, what are you saying about your, your current offensive line? What does that say about them? Well, he didn't need to come out and say it. The results were there. They were not good last year. They clearly needed to make upgrades. And yet the only draft pick they spent on that offensive line was a sixth round pick on a tackle out of Florida, Stone Forsyth. That's not exactly encouraging for the franchise quarterback, Russell Wilson. They did make a trade with the Raiders for Gabe Jackson at guard. That will definitely help. But still, you know Russell Wilson has to be sitting there watch. I I asked you guys to go out and try to get me some more protection. I'm tired of being hit so much. And then to watch what Patrick Mahomes suffered through in the Super Bowl and then watch what Brett Veach and company – did this off season to go and make sure that that never happens to Patrick Mahomes again. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's good to be a member of chiefs kingdom because we are part of an organization that knows how to win. And we've seen the difference between how an organization like green Bay treats Aaron Rodgers, how an organization like Seattle treats Russell Wilson and how fortunately we here in Kansas city have seen our chiefs treat Patrick Mahomes. It is night and day. And that is something to feel very good about because we will be keeping 15 very happy for a long, long time, unlike what is going on in some other cities. and so, But, again, still isn't an interesting matchup. Uh, I'll just run through a few other matchups. San Francisco and Detroit. Jared Goff's making his first start for the Lions. Is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance out there for San Francisco? Uh, Jacksonville at Houston. A lot of question marks at quarterback on that one, and you would have thought it would be – a few months ago, at the end of the season, you would have thought all the question marks would have been about what's, what's Jacksonville going to do at quarterback? What are we going to see in Trevor Lawrence? No, the questions are going to be about what are the Texans doing at quarterback? Will Deshaun Watson ever suit up for the Texans again? It seems unlikely at this point in time. And I is it Davis Mills? Is it going to be Tyrod Taylor? Who knows? It's, there's just a lot up in the air. But what will be interesting is to see Urban Meyer's first, first coaching performance for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence most likely running out there at quarterback for the Jags. Uh, Vikings at Bengals, Eagles at Falcons, the Cardinals at Tennessee. You've got Chargers at Washington. Uh, the Broncos are at the Giants. One more interesting matchup, you got the Dolphins at the Patriots. Maybe this is where we saw the Dolphins make uh, make a lot of noise last year, and they've made more improvements this year. Could we see Tua Tagovailoa make a jump? And maybe week one is is that stepping off point and go and show. I mean, New England's made their improvements themselves. That could be a very, very important game, and not just the AFC East, but the AFC period for who's going to establish the hierarchy there, obviously below the likes of the Chiefs and, and the Bills. But – we could see if, 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 if the Dolphins or the Patriots, if somebody's going to step up and be one of those other wildcard teams or maybe even somebody to challenge the Bills for the AFCs. A lot of question marks there. And finally, yes, you haven't heard me mention it, but uh, finally, our own Kansas City Chiefs will open up at home 325 on Sunday, September 12th against the Cleveland Browns. The Browns come to town to try and finish what they started last January when they came into town in the divisional round and due to a very stupid play that got Patrick Mahomes seriously injured with uh, the concussion. Um, they, play, they got to play the Chiefs two-thirds of the game without the best player in the NFL and almost pulled off the victory. Thank you, Chad Henney. Anything thing is possible. Uh, but the Chiefs were able to pull out that victory uh, due to some of Chad Hennie, due to a lot of Chad Hennie's heroics, and the defense really stifling down on the Browns there late in the game. Um, but that's uh, the Browns are going to try to come in, and they've made their improvements this offseason as well. They had a very strong draft. When you look at they got both Greg Newsome and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Uh, a couple of really strong defensive pieces to complement the likes of Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett. You have to like what the Browns are doing. You don't have to like the fact that it, that they're doing it, and they're probably, along with the Bills, probably the two biggest threats to the Chiefs in the AFC. But we're going to find out right from the get-go if uh, what what kind of state the Browns are going to be in, and just how serious a threat they will be. Obviously, a lot will happen over the course of eighteen weeks, not seventeen, because it's a seventeen-game schedule now. But over the course of the eighteen-week schedule or season. We will see a lot of teams transform, and just because they look one way in September doesn't mean that that's how they're going to be in December going into January. But we will see from the from the opener what, uh, what kind of battle the Chiefs might be in for with the Cleveland Browns and what kind of true contender Baker Mayfield and company will be. And we will also see what kind of shape Patrick Mahomes and that brand spanking new offensive line are going to be in. I'm very very happy to be able to watch that. I can't wait. I know I've already said it. Can't wait for September to get here. September 12th, Browns and Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium. Oh baby, it's just going to be so good. And that's also the nice thing is we've we've heard of a few potential weeks of some uh, some of the other schedule or some of the other games on the schedule. Uh, these haven't been confirmed yet, but there is rumors that the Chiefs will get the Bills at home in week five the chiefs will get the giants in prime time i don't know if it was monday night football or sunday night football in week eight i believe in new york and then week nine the packers but when you look at if this is true then you look at the bills in week five and the browns in week one so you're getting your top two arguably your top two contenders to the afc crown within the first five weeks of the season when did the Chiefs play their best football? Early in the season, September, early October. You look at the, the 5-0 and start last year. The Chiefs know how to come out guns blazing to start the season. And the fact that we get to face some of our hardest games on the schedule, seemingly at least, if, the, if it is true that it's Buffalo in Week 5, that is a very encouraging thing. We're going to see just how real the Chiefs are. But, again, they play their best football early in the season. So, once again, I cannot wait. So once uh, the, the rest of the schedule will be released this evening at 7 o'clock. Stay tuned to find that out. Check out to see who all the Chiefs are going to play. I cannot wait. Once again, 17 games. Not a 16-game schedule anymore. Uh, say it one final time. Folks, the times, they are a-changing. Bob Dylan may have been onto something once upon a time. But that's going to go and close it out for this edition of Tapped In. Thank you for joining in. I am Duncan Kaminsky. And I will see you all, hopefully see you, might just be audio format again, but I will be back at you on Friday, and I promise I will fulfill that bone to pick with baseball. Thank you all again. You all have a good, wonderful Wednesday.